With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Podcast ain't played nobody. I'm not taking Bud's advice. He always tells me to keep the intro short. I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm just tired. We had a lot going on this week. It's week one. I couldn't be more excited. I'm very much in sort of that hazy, Santa has put everything together and now you run to the tree kind of moment. Um, So I'm a little sleep deprived and I might put alcohol and coffee. And you know what? That's for the HR department to deal with. It's not for you to judge me about. Uh, This is going to be a short, rambly intro. Welcome to true college football week one. Um, I enjoyed week zero. It was a wonderful little, it was almost like an after dinner mint before. If a mint has no pass protection whatsoever, really no offensive line, um, we're going to go through a standard tasting menu because we have a standard week to talk about. That's how this thing's going to work. Uh, young Richard is going to walk through the tasting menu with me. I'll be, I don't want to spoil anything. Fairly balanced. It's going to be very easy to consume this week one of college football. Uh, Bud's going to stop by. We're talking gambling, but look, I'm just going to tell you. It's not a gambling segment. It's not. We just talk about things in the context of gambling. Um, and one of the things, if you think you don't want to listen to the gambling, well, first off, you're a fool because Bud was perfect last week. And if you would have done everything Bud said in week zero, you would have made a substantial amount of money. That's not a joke. Um, we're trying to quantify, qualify effort, lack of effort, and and the quit. Basically, the quit factor. We, we bring up some games last year in which teams inarguably quit and how that affects score and perception and all kinds of stuff. Uh, we're talking about Bobby Petrino. I don't think that spoils anything. Uh, Banner Society. Website's up. You go to the Banner Society. Instagram's up. Go to the Banner Society. My name is Stephen Godfrey. I'm a senior writer and reporter. I don't even know what my job title is at said Banner Society. I have multiple things this week. Richard has multiple things this week. Bud just did a Twitch live stream on gambling. We talk a little bit of recruiting. Uh, still, still a mite early. Wrote about Georgia Tech this week, and Jeff Collins wrote about uh, destigmatizing cultures around college football programs in a very small way for the Banner Society newsletter. Oh, what's that? Go to the Banner Society and sign up for the Read Option newsletter. It's the single greatest newsletter in college football. That's not hyperbole. It's not a meme. It's not a dumb shutdown full cast thing. It's the truth. Um, it just really is. It just really is. I do love Matt Brown, though. Mwah. Um, What else did we do? <sighs> Auburn. By the time you guys listen to this, we should be on the precipice of publishing something, basically kind of explaining why that big dumb buyout with Gus Malzahn exists at Auburn. And really, I tried to take the stance of, I, I spoke with a lot of people and had a conversation with a particular Auburn booster that I kind of used as the framework for this story. Um, if you don't care about Auburn at all, it's not really about Auburn. It's sort of about how the madness, in it, it's just inevitable. If you're at a top college football program, you're really... You're just really sort of victim to where the tide is going. Oh, God, Alabama joke. I didn't mean to do that. I really didn't. Like I said, a little punchy right now. You are uh, you are kind of helpless. Wherever the market goes, you have to follow if you want to maintain and succeed and win a national title. And um, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You should definitely still read the story. It goes on a little bit to kind of the nuts and bolts in 2017 on how that contract was built the same time that Kirby Smart was getting his extension to Georgia the same time that 
Uh, everything was falling apart at Arkansas, which allowed sort of Gus Malzahn to signal boost his effort vis a V one Jimmy Sexton. Um, 2017 was kind of low-key weird in the SEC. Uh, it, it definitely created the financial picture we're in. We didn't even talk about Jimbo Fisher. I mean, A&M's paying him stupid money. That's that's how we operate in Texas. Stupid money is like a base. It's like a metric. It's like how you measure a mile. Um, Banner Society, Stephen Godfrey, at 38 Godfrey, Instagram, at 38 Godfrey, Twitter. By the time you hear this, I will be at, oh, Vanderbilt, Georgia this weekend. Um, if you're in Nashville for some reason as a UGA fan, uh, I will, I'm doing one of the pregame shows. I don't remember which one. Just follow me on Twitter to find out. Also, going to try and experiment with a Saturday morning Instagram Q&A thing. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, it's at 38Godfrey. The Twitter will give you the information. I hope I promoted everything. Oh, uh, Richard Johnson has a hilarious story about how... Uh, Look, we know the NCAA is inept. This is a particularly fun episode in which David Shaw is categorized in the NCAA's diversity database as a white woman, and that's not the only stupid error. And Did the NCAA cop up to their mistake and their um, gross negligence? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Check out that story by Richard. There is a ton of content this week. All those player appreciations that are at the Banner Society, they're unbelievable. Spencer's been writing his butt off. Uh, We've been podcasting our butts off. Hopefully you guys listened to the FCS upset draft yesterday. If you haven't, stop. Go do that real fast because by the time you hear this, you can still jump in and interact and actually pick against myself, Jason Kirk from the full cast, and Alex Kirshner. Um, We are drafting uh, FCS upset picks over FBS teams. I am now uh, a heavily invested University of Albany fan, as in Albany, New York, and not Georgia. Uh, That's it. We're going to talk a little week one. Thank God, man. I would rather be sleepless and busy with college football than any other alternative. Welcome to the season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Full tasting menu. Not the fake one that we did last week, where all I really could do was tell people to watch Florida-Miami. This is a real tasting menu. Are you ready, young Richard? Prefix tings, baby. Restaurant week all day. Yeah. Okay. Um, A decent Thursday night. It doesn't have the high caliber, like, super big game. Uh, It does have Power 5 conference football. Uh, it does have like sneaky good football that's not really being advertised as such. Let's go with your Thursday night tasting menu, young sir. Uh, we're doing them all, by the way. If you are new to podcasting and played nobody, it's lsufootball.net backslash TV schedule. We are doing it all. So I'm going to fire them off real fast. Then we're going to pick out what you should watch. Uh, let's start at 6 p.m. UCLA. Yes, God's time zone. Thank you, Richard. UCLA. They go all the way to Cincinnati, uh, 6 o'clock ESPN. Florida A&M opens their season at Central Florida. Um, I'm still calling them the Golden Knights still pisses them off, right? Yeah, I think Central Florida pisses them off more than the No, 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 no. South Florida pisses off UCF more okay. than, uh, yeah, more than Central Florida does 
So UCF. just because this is week this is week one, we're shaking it off a bit. Yeah. yeah. What is the so what is the most incendiary way I can pronounce that team? Uh, you, name and Central mascot? Central Florida Golden Knights. Citronauts, um, Citronauts is too cool, so just go Central nah. Florida Golden Knights. Yeah, that's that's the low key thing about the the Citronaut is actually like a cool thing. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Such a horrible fan base. Um, that's uh, that's six thirty p.m. Central Time on CBS Sports Network. Uh, the ACC Network is open for business. Georgia Tech goes to Clemson. If you have YouTube TV, it's open for business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's true. We got a uh, we got a little miff there. Apparently, I heard from Uverse subscribers that the uh, ACC Network's having some issues. Anyway, Texas A and M on the SEC Network. They're hosting Texas State at seven thirty. South Dakota State goes to Minnesota at F, uh, eight o'clock on FS1. Uh, Pac twelve after dark. Yeah, kind of after darkish. Arizona State and Kent State. 9 p.m. on the Pac-12 network, so you won't see that. And then our nightcap is Utah going to BYU, 9.15 on regular flavored ESPN. Um, this one's pretty easy. It's a I, I, it's a nice Thursday for not having a marquee game. Uh, you actually have some damn good football. Uh, best football game of the night, I'm going to give it to UCLA at Cincinnati. That's also going to be my main course pick. Disagree. Utah-BYU. It's got some hating. Hey, baby, let me tell you something. There are no caloric requirements on the tasting menu. UCLA Cincinnati is at 6. Utah BYU is at 9.15. They're on the same network. You can binge that. Exactly. You, I, like, just park it on the flagship. I, like, I'm looking at, at BYU Utah. I want to see if Utah's for real. Um, I, I think Zach Wilson, BYU's quarterback, is going to run for his life a lot. Thankfully, that's what he's really good at. Um, but I want to. I really want to see Utah like really, really get after it um, in the Holy War. Like the Holy War is just a not even a secretly um, hating ass rivalry. It just is. Like, and it's going to be really fun. Maybe we get some Mormon fisticuffs. Who knows? Um, but I'll be watching the Mormon Manzil Zach Wilson go wild. Um, have do have a vested interest in Utah winning that game by um, more than five points. Let's say just throwing a number out there. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll be fun to watch. Uh, have a vested interest in. Uh, sorry, what's that? Oh, never mind. That's Friday. We'll get there. Um, yeah, UCLA Cincinnati. Like, I just want to watch Cincinnati's defense like frustrate Chip Kelly. Like, I think that's going to be really funny. I think that that is an interesting kind of styles make fights situation because I know that. Um, you know, I can imagine that Luke Fickle wants nothing more than just to send. Uh, UCLA home back out west just like with like a shutout or something that'd be absolutely hilarious yeah so obviously they win the upset last year when nobody was paying attention and UCLA kind of had a shambles roster as as Kelly took an extreme long view on the rebuild all that's fine Uh, UCLA was a better team down the stretch a a visually different team was how one Pac-12 coach described it to me in the offseason talking about in terms of improvement um, that's not to say that you, that Cincinnati did not get better as well. They had a really good season. They're far above schedule in terms of redeveloping that roster. They're getting more out of their talent than they probably should. I do expect a little bit of regression this year. Um, I don't know, man. Like it's just still interesting to see what the hell Chip Kelly's doing, whether yeah, I was gonna it's say, bad or good. I was going to say, depending on Cincinnati's regression, like I Cincinnati is one thing. I want to see UCLA's progression like i like we all kind of are giving ucla the benefit of the doubt for substandard recruiting 
by the standard of a team in Southern California because we know that Chip Kelly is a guy who often does more with less. So, yeah, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing if that trick can work, if that if that hoodoo can actually work at UCLA um, as it worked in Oregon. Um, also, some some games that are not on, just a game that is not on TV that I'm interested in watching. Um, FIU and Tulane, 7 o'clock uh, Central Time on ESPN 3 only. Um, I'm looking at that because, look, FIU can win that division. Like, they can win that division in Conference USA if they take the next okay. step. Um, Tulane, year four, Willie Fritz, went to a bowl game last year, was actually in a three-way tie for that division, but they finished third in the three-way tie because they lost to Houston and Memphis. Um, replacing an offensive coordinator, uh, vested interest from Flor- for Florida International to either win that game outright or let's say win that or lose that game by one or two points. Just throwing a number out there. Um, and then also Gardner-Webb at Charlotte, 6.30 p.m. Friend of the program, Will Healy, um, is taking over that program. More than that. Sell me, sell me on it. More than that, I want to see how Alex Atkins and that Charlotte offense comes out looking. Um, you know, I talk I talk on this podcast, and it is something that you will hear from me a lot. Um, I am very interested in coordinators of color, particularly Lee offensive coordinators of color paying attention to how they rise how they progress um alex atkins is a bright young coaching mind uh, on the offensive side of the ball comes from an offensive line pedigree was formerly at tulane um picked up for willie fritz's first year so i i'll be at least paying a little bit of attention to charlotte and and how they look on offense this season um we know that charlotte is one of those emerging programs big market all that kind of stuff um so yeah charlotte's on my radar um, real fast, Words of Tech. Um, I wrote about him in the newsletter at Banner Society. Uh, the story's up on the site. Everybody's written about him. Uh, Jeff Collins, uh, puppeteer of a media blitz this year. There's not really a reason to watch this game past the first couple drives. I'm interested to see um, what they're going to do as just a base offense because we all know the personnel situation leaving the triple. And then after that, Clemson is just going to be totally fine and functional and it will be a blowout. Uh, obviously the same thing goes for AM as well. When you um, when in, you went out there, when you were in Atlanta, yeah. like what were your conversations about the actual game with them like? Uh the party line is that it's, you know, a great opportunity, exposure, national stage, uh showcase challenge, right? Like the Mad Libs shit. Um the reality is you narrow the focus on your program after a uh, after an inevitable loss like this. Right. Yeah, this because is not you're, to say you're that, rewiring. I mean, you're yeah, you're rewiring the whole thing in in more than just. I, I think, I I think that Davo Sweeney holds no ill will toward. I don't I don't even know know if he really knows Jeff, uh, or or towards Georgia Tech. I think that therefore, uh, Clemson obviously has much more on their mind with Texas A and M coming. With you know, I guess that's kind of it. Maybe Florida State. Um, you. There's no reason for Clemson to score 80 points, and there's no there's no reason that, that both of these teams don't. I mean, honestly, by the third quarter of this thing, I think both teams are going to be either resting starters and experimenting with subs, or in Tech's case, like really experimenting to see what functions. And that's about it. And that's fine. That's what you get. This isn't even about a first-year head coach not having them up in time. This is a ridiculously 
dramatically. I mean, you can't overstate how much of a rebuild this is on offense. And that, that's all fine. This is the best team in the country they're playing. So it's it's cool. It's a new network launching. I've, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not grousing about it the way, you know, other games going into week one get overhyped. But it just, it is what it is. You flip by, you look at it. There's no reason to really watch unless you're a hardcore on either side. So um, in the junk pile, Richard, uh, I just have to plug our upset uh, draft again. I know I plugged it in the intro as well, but my upset, one of my upset picks for FCS is Albany going to Central Michigan. I don't know if that will predicate me even watching it, but I will at least watch the scoreboard. Mm, little Jim um, McElwain special? Little, Jim, little, little Jimmy Mac special. I don't know if Jimmy Mac can lay hands in time. All right, let's go to Friday because we're already super behind pace. Uh, it's a palatable Friday. Okay, palatable. All right. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say ginger to 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 clear the palate because some of this stuff's a little tough to go down. But it's college football. <laughs> it's college football. Okay. Uh, at five o'clock Central Time on CBS Sports Network, Rice goes to Army. Uh, at six o'clock on FS1, Tulsa goes to Michigan State. At six o'clock on Big Ten, UMass is at Rutgers. Dear God. Uh, six o'clock on ESPN, Wisconsin goes to South Florida. Seven o'clock on the new ACC network, Utah State is at Wake. Uh, at eight thirty on CBS, Purdue goes to Nevada. Nevada, look at Nevada. you, R.I.P. Bill. Uh, and then at nine o'clock, nine ten. Okay, sure, nine ten. ESPN. We decided it was not. It's the it's the Rocky it's, Mountain Showdown. Yes, the Rocky like Mountain Showdown. A, is that that's aggressive? I don't like it. Colorado, Colorado State, and then at nine thirty on FS1, Oklahoma State at Oregon State. Uh, Richard, pick me two. Uh, and in the DVR age, they don't have to be at different times. Just pick me two that I can digest on Friday night. USF and Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, and Oregon State. Uh, Ooh, USF. Okay, sell me on that last one. So that just looks like a crap blowout to me. Okay, I get that, but you're going to want to watch what Oregon State's going to do on offense. Jonathan Smith is a guy who comes from the Chris Peterson lineage. Um, they are going to do some really interesting stuff on offense. I think that oh, really? watching Oregon State, that offensive progression from last year to this year, and and obviously that all the year two cliches, we're not thinking, we're just reacting on offense, we're playing fast, da 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 all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, some of that stuff really does hold true. Um, against Oklahoma State, you would think that a Big 12 defense at at times in this game could be gotten at. It's it's a two-touchdown spread, which isn't absurd. I mean, Clemson's, Clemson's a 36-point spread against Georgia Tech for a conference game. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not ridiculous. Um, I don't have a vested interest in it, but I am just curious what Oregon State looks like on offense. On the off, on the on the national level of narrative this year, I think we all just sort of gave up on the annually. We would go through like, uh, oh man, Oklahoma State could really get it together if they could just get a defense. And this year, we we're just like, you know what? Let's just let's dispense. They're not going to have a defense. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Let's 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 end the facade. Uh, but USF Wisconsin. Look, if Wisconsin beats the hell out of them, Charlie Strong is going to have a problem. Like I. I, I don't know I don't know how how else to say it. You can lose right, that well, let game. Me fl- let me flip that and ask this because this is another one that's been a little uh, I would say mild in terms of uh, of a talking point just because I think it is Wisconsin. I- is Wisconsin beating the shit out of anybody right now? 
if we, we, we had some functional deficiencies at Wisconsin last year. But in that Especially. Wisconsin way, they can just mash you, beat you by 24 points, where it looks like they beat you by 40, because Jonathan Taylor just ran all over you. Like, yeah, Wisconsin's capable of that. Wisconsin's capable um, of that against a team that they are probably bigger than. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're certainly capable of that. USF, okay. uh, I the think... Only, the only thing I'm going to add to this on Friday night before we get to Saturday is I am really interested in Rocky Mountain. Um you were talking about coaches and concerns and hot seats. I think Mike Bobo has to come out and acquit himself. I mean, I'm not saying this is a must-win game. I don't think we're at anxiety status like in week one, but it sure as hell wouldn't hurt. And then also, um, we don't really know what Colorado is going to be. So this is a fun game. You know, this is a game where Colorado State is talent deficient enough to where Colorado could, I'm not saying immediately show their identity, but you can put some things out there. Yeah, I dig it. Um, I'll be paying attention a little bit to it just because I think it could get kind of fun in the way that these in-state games do. Um, I think for Colorado, you know, uh, you hired, you know, you hired Mel Tucker. um, And I think that with a guy like Mel Tucker, it's like, okay, look, we've got Denver sitting there, this big metro base. It's what, an hour, hour and a half. From campus, um, it's a diverse place, all that kind of in the way that Colorado can be diverse. Don't get after me. But, like, I, I think if you want to do that own the state, you know, plan a flag program stuff to to puff out your chest, yeah, Colorado, Colorado should probably win this game. And that, then they might not. That's Yeah, that's not a prediction. I'm saying Colorado, like, needs to or, or like, should. Like, it would be a good idea. You could see some desperate ass play calling, and, and by the way, I mean we interviewed him on the show. He's a nice guy. Like, but you could see you could see a palpable desperation from from CSU going into Week One, going into this game. They 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 need this. They need this in in a way. Yeah, so, and I think this is a come not, out like come out, take care of business, and go home. If not, this is a very marketable job. Let's go to Saturday. Okay, uh, you know it's not the world's worst uh, morning. We're gonna have to start measuring like the assiness rating of the eleven a.m. slot. This isn't terrible. It's not good either. Uh, we're going to go from 11. We'll hold off on the 1 o'clock and throw that into the 2s. 11 a.m. Saturday, the first true college football Saturday. Well, no, if I say that, that means like I'm backbiting the whole Week 0 thing, and I enjoyed Week 0. I think if you didn't enjoy Week 0, you criticized it, you're probably a war criminal. <laughs> um, but it is Week 1. This is a full slate. It's 11 a.m. Uh, this is definitely your go out and, and, and do various things. Get shit done, time slot. Uh, Big Ten Network, 11 a.m., Akron at Illinois. Ball State is, uh, check this shit out, a neutral site game that no one's talked about because it's technically a neutral site game. Indiana, Ball State, Lucas Oil, Indianapolis. I feel like they play oh, that, that cheesy-ass they like play that cool. cheesy ass Hoosiers music in the background uh, before kickoff. I smell the mayonnaise. East Carolina goes to NC State on the ACC network. By the way, the mayonnaise thing is on CBS Sports Network. Because, of course, it is. Um, Ohio State gets the national Fox slot at 11 a.m. Big noon kickoff. Against FAU, just solely because Lane Kiffin coaches there, I guess. And Ohio State's a top five team. So, uh, Howard goes to Maryland. That's not like a bad reason to put the game on at noon. It's gonna. I mean, it, I, I we'll get to it in a second. I I fundamentally object to just sticking a top five team in against a crap opponent in, in a like ratings maneuver because those games are unwatchable. Yeah, well, I'm team. glad Banner Society doesn't have a television network because we'd be tanking the ratings. 
we'd have we would we would show awesome shit. Like okay, I tell you what I would do shit. is I would give me th- give me three possessions and let's just show like uh, stock footage of explosions and like motocross or something. Anyway, Howard Maryland Big Ten Network. Um, Indiana State goes to Kansas. They might win that sure. game. Talking about Indiana State, that's on <laughs> FSN. That's uh oh the FSN check. That's not the FS1. That's the FSN. So check your uh, local listings. Uh, ULL or Louisiana Lafayette or Louisiana, depending on who you want to make angry, uh, is also playing a neutral site game against Mississippi State. We'll talk about that game in a second. ESPNU, 11 a.m. Uh, the other Mississippi team, Ole Miss, uh, goes to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis as dogs. Uh ABC, 11 a.m. Wow, national broadcast. That's a weird one. FS1, Northern Iowa, Iowa State. ESPN has South Alabama going to Nebraska. The SEC Network has Toledo going to Kentucky. Uh, oh. <laughs> this is a light breakfast type situation. Um, um, I, I'm i going to go quickly. Um, South Alabama, Nebraska, vested interest in South Alabama, uh, losing that game by 35 points or less. Um, so we'll see about that. Uh FAU and Ohio State. FAU, we know what FAU was and what FAU wasn't last year. They were supposed to come out the gates and shock people. They were supposed to win that league. They were supposed to win that league, frankly. Um, that was not Lane, an insane Lane prediction. Is supposed to be a, Lane Kiffin is supposed to be an offensive genius, and it seems like Lane Kiffin is uh, extremely reliant, let's say, on whichever uh, OC and play caller he has at the moment. Yeah, I feel w- like when, Ken, when Kendall left, maybe that shine went. It, it wasn't an insane prediction to say that they were going to win that division last year or win that win that league last year. Um, you know, we know what Ohio State's going to be. I, yeah, I'm curious what Justin Fields is going to be. All right, fine, sue me. Um, Howard Maryland. I want to watch Kalen Newton, who's probably the Miak's best player, or at least the best player coming into this season. Um, just like frustrate Maryland. I think it's going to be really fun to look up in that game at halftime and say, "Whoa, Maryland's only up like." five points like what happened there you know what i mean and yeah maryland's gonna win the game and maryland's gonna boat race them and and all that kind of stuff and and by the end maryland will have comfortably won by four or five touchdowns but yeah during the first half you're gonna want to watch kaylin newton uh that game's on big 10 network that is gonna be a lot of fun yes it's cam newton's brother oh yeah oh yeah uh my pick here just flip back between the two mississippi games uh i think memphis is going to beat ole miss uh, this could be. Will they beat a, up a, a, Ole Miss? Is the operative question. I'm sorry. Will they beat up Ole Miss? Is the no, operative question. but I do think this will be sort of the loosening of the sanity of what this whole idea that Ole Miss is fine. I don't know how many times I have to say it. When you get NCAA like that, it's a rubber band thing, and you don't feel it until you feel it on your lines. And their lines are bad because their lines are not deep because they have not recruited well because of all the stuff. But the what? Stuff. But the thing we're kind of the thing we're remember we're we're forgetting here is Rich Rodriguez. Ole Miss offensive coordinator, which is a thing that I know we need to remind ourselves every like 10 minutes because I always forget. But yeah, Rich Rodriguez, Ole Miss offensive coordinator. Um, There's going to be points here. There's going to be a lot of points here. Um, You know, I do not yet have a um, uh, have a vested interest in, you know, specifically how many points are scored here. Um, I think. Maybe more than 68 points 
total between the two teams would be interesting. I don't know. I'm just throwing out a number. Um, don't have a vested interest there, but we'll be watching. There'll be a lot of points. Maybe I'll have a vested interest between now and Saturday morning. ULL Mississippi State. Um, hmm. hmm. It could be. I definitely think ULL's improved. I definitely think Mississippi State's going to win. I think Tommy Stevens is like a sleeper pick, like t- a situation to watch completely. Keaton Thomas just did not work in Joe Moorhead's offense at all. Is transferring? Um, yes. Yeah, he's in the portal. Um, I, I don't know if there's really a fault of either party. I just think it was not a fit. Um, it's going to look, people are going to look back in a, in a just devastated way at that Mississippi state season as years go by because of how ridiculously good that defense was. Um, you know, the NFL like does dumb things like the Daniel Jones pick, but also in that first round, they had three state defenders, um, which was kind of like a quiet endorsement of how good they were on defense last year. And we just didn't notice because sometimes the offense could not, you know, break the teens. Um, they have in a fluid number of suspensions related to the cheating scandal um, with the tutor. We don't know exactly who it's going to be and when I don't think it bites them now, but I am curious really. I, I, I think Tommy Stevens is plug and play good for that system because of Moorhead. I'm just curious how good the defense is. And also this 11 AM block sucks. So this, this probably gets elevated in terms of interest. I also think it's, I, I think that atmosphere is going to be like insane. Like those cowbells indoors versus Lafayette, who's going to bring everybody um, in the Superdome. Like, I think it's just going to be a fun atmosphere. Uh, the Superdome actually officially had to remind everyone this week that they don't permit noisemakers. So we'll see how well that doesn't go over. Um, afternoon slot, let's stretch it from one until. One central. One central to 530 central. It's just one. Welcome I am bringing no, 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 no. I am bringing an East Coast audience to this show. That central stuff ain't gonna fly. You got mm. a different co-host. No, it's one p.m. It's just one p.m. It's your fault that you don't live in God's time zone. Uh, there is only actually one one o'clock game, and it is on a. It, it's this is essentially going to be a third party kind of pay per view deal. This is a serious check your local listings action because LSUfootball.net simply lists it as WVU video, but that's West Virginia. Uh, opening the Neil Brown era against James Madison. Then it uh, let's move into 2 o'clock, Eastern Washington at Washington on Pac-12. Alabama Duke is the 2.30 neutral site. Chick-fil-A game. ABC. Uh, Colgate goes to Air Force on that. Is, I believe it's ESPN+. Plus. Uh, some of those designations this year are going to get a little wonky because you have extra, plus, news, and three. So <laughs> if it's one of those, I always advise just check the damn app. Uh, Georgia State, uh, ooh, Georgia State is the man. That's a terrible game for both teams. Georgia State, Tennessee. I forgot that that was a game this year. Uh, ESPNU at two thirty. CBS Sports Network has Holy Cross going to Navy. Idaho is the sacrificial lamb for Penn State at two thirty on the Big Ten Network. ESPN has the Carolina. I, I mean, I'm not even trying to be witty about this. North Carolina and South Carolina playing Charlotte. You mean Net. Carolina versus USC? Yeah, I'll allow it, I guess. Send all hate mail to at Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter. You're a Florida grad. I thought you were supposed to not give South Carolina that much. I don't. I don't, but I want to piss off South Carolina fans. Sounds good to me. My personal rule rule is Carolina is always North Carolina unless it's South Carolina. Oh, I see what you did there because I thought USC was like a term of flat. Don't they? They kind of boast that they're the USC, but then they They also want to be Carolina. Yeah, they both hate it. Very strange. Montana State goes to Texas Tech on FSN, 3 o'clock, by the way. 
Uh, Northwestern goes to Stanford. Nerd fight. Uh, Portland State is at Arkansas at 3 o'clock. Hmm. I'm just going to leave the hmm. Uh, Virginia Tech is at BC on ACC Network, moving one of those conference games into week one. Um, we'll leave it there, and then I'll pick it up at five and then break it off before the, the nightcap there. Um, it's not great. It's not great. Um, it's not great. Um, I'm looking it, at... I, I'm I'm looking at Northwestern at Stanford. Um, Stanford. So Stanford's uh, Stanford is gonna be a I think a diminishing return program this year. I think it's gonna be a down year for Stanford. Stanford. I think they're trending in the wrong direction from the reliable Rose Bowl ten win Stanford that we've known the last few years. Um, I'm saying that because I believe it, but I'm also saying that because I have a vested interest in Northwestern losing this game by six points or less or outright winning it. Wow, okay. All right. Um, If South Carolina has a bad day on offense, that's pretty foreboding for Will Muschamp. Well, yeah, because North Carolina is it's a brand new defense and it's a defense that's not easy to 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 grasp. Like Jay Bateman's defense is schematically complex. You know what I mean? Like yes. it, and it's new and so Jake Bentley should should be able to make some hay there. Now, look, I've projected success and optimism for Will Muschamp defenses before in the last or offenses before in the last uh, eight years of my life, and it has not gone well for me in the past. Um, here's what I'm going to do for this entire segment, or, or entire block, I should say. Just float. Just get drunk and walk around the hot bar and just kind of pick stuff with a fork. Don't lock in on anything. You, uh, uh, you think that uh, Alabama is going to be able to turn it off against Duke? You think oh, it's going to yeah, be no, a classy? I think they'll shut it down. I mean, I think they'll shut it down in a respectful manner. You think now, it's going to be a classy thirty-eight seventeen? Yes, absolutely. And and I do think that yeah, there is such a, a vice grip on that program. Obviously, if he wants them not to score after they light it up a little bit, then that will happen. And also, hey, Steve Sarkeesian's back, so scoring's not a given. So you're saying you're saying this is twenty-one-three at halftime, and then thirty-eight seventeen at the end. Yeah, and then almost I kind of feel like it could be even more lopsided, like it's twenty eight or, or thirty points in the in the first half, and then they they literally just hold back from like maybe one touchdown, maybe like a thirty seven fourteen or something. We like we were talking about this earlier. Like we say what you want about Daniel Jones, but like they did lose an NFL quarterback. Now, yeah, our our opinion of Daniel Jones is colored by yes, the last eight months of draft hype and where the New York Giants picked him. But like it's he wasn't bad. The Daniel Jones thing was net, was always that he's not a top five pick. It wasn't that the guy the kid can't play. So yes, Duke is going to have to replace that. Um, they're going to be debuting a new quarterback against that Alabama defense. Now that Alabama defense has like a linebacker and a half. Dylan Moses tore his ACL today and will be out for the season. Um, so I I think it'll be fun to see how Cutcliffe frustrates them in the beginning. Um, in the beginning of the game and then. Alabama, Alabama. Nobody's saying they won't. Um, get drunk, pick at the hot bar. I stand by that. This may be your get shit done like time slot. This may sneaky be worse than eleven a.m. This, this, the, yeah, this one may be. Um, <laughs> this one actually may turn out to be nap time. Um, Syracuse and Liberty. Syracuse also. Dino Babers coming after a big year. A lot of people are saying. 
are projecting a lot of big things for Syracuse. Um, also, wait, hold on. Is that Syracuse at Liberty? That's Syracuse at Liberty. Am I making that up? Nope. Uh, okay, great. Sure. Um, vested interest that's in the five. Yeah. Oh, that's at five. We haven't gotten to it yet. Well, let's just yeah, do yeah. five. Excuse me. Um, and yeah. In the, I usually what we what the deceased co-host used to do or what we would do is just um, kind of go through the junk pile afterwards. I'm going to be honest. We may have to have words with LSUFootball.net because incorporating the plus games, which is basically everything into the regular viewing schedule is going to be necessary because now I think ESPN plus is so ubiquitous that if you're sitting there in the apps on your TV or your you know device or whatever, you can just flip over to not that you would temple and bucknell at two o'clock you know? what i'll actually do it's not like it's not on television the way it used to kind of feel that way what i'll actually do is end up uh making you an uh, google sheet script so that you can see it all in one place thank you millennial uh let's go to five o'clock incarnate word we talked a lot about them on the upset draft they go to utsa at five o'clock on espn extra um let's see let's, here let's california say, syracuse and liberty syracuse going at liberty like i was trying to say in the last segment yeah so they're um, in the plus yes so if you have plus that's available but not an actual terrestrial network um you see davis goes to cal um and that's on pac 12 so sorry you don't get to see that boise state and florida state 6 p.m espn so far as we record this not affected or at least postponed or changed or anything due to the storm uh, Western Michigan hosts Monmouth on ESPN Extra. Old Dominion hosts North Norfolk State on ESPN Extra. It is now 6.30, and we are going to the big one. Auburn, Oregon, and Dallas. Uh, that's on uh, ABC. The game I will be at, um, this is the game, the, Georgia at Vanderbilt, uh, SEC Network 6.30. I will be there uh, in that press box watching Auburn, Oregon on my laptop uh, because it, my job makes sense. Uh, at the same time, Georgia Southern will be playing at LSU on ESPNU. FS1 has Miami of Ohio at Iowa. Interesting choice, boys. Uh, Middle Tennessee goes to Michigan. We're still at 630, by the way, on Big Ten Network. Missouri goes to Wyoming on uh, CBS Sports Network. Virginia is at Pitt. Another ACC game in week one because we're launching the ACC Network, which is where that game's at. Um, we'll go ahead and finish off the sevens and I'll roll nine into the to the late slot. So TCU uh, hosting Arkansas Pine Bluff. ULM hosts Grambling. Uh, Louisiana Tech is going to Texas on LHN. Damn, I won't be able to see that. That's ah, so annoying. Um, that's your that's the it for uh, the main course. And then over in the junk pile, is there anything worth mentioning? Not particularly SMU at Arkansas State. Uh you know, kind of a heavy heart situation there. Just be curious. That uh, yeah. Respond. Let's 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 do the Syracuse and Liberty thing. Um, yeah, on Syracuse on Syracuse's side, expectation, the weight of expectation. Um, you know, how do those defensive ends look? How do those defensive ends look? How does that defense look in general? Tommy DeVito taking over the offense full time. How does that look in general? Um, I personally have a vested interest in Syracuse winning this game by let's say more than eighteen points. Just a number throwing it out there. Um, they are on the road at Liberty, <sighs> about Liberty in the last few weeks. Godfrey, would you take it away? This is your mm. expertise. I have no comment at this time. Uh, I will say that um, I we didn't know what Liberty was going to be on the field before all this uh, latest edition of the Hugh Freeze nonsense was. So um, 
I just think that's especially so. And that I don't know if the road matters much on this. I mean, Syracuse is not as. No, no, I don't think it matters. I just think it's funny yeah. that, Syrac- that an ACC team is going to Liberty. I mean, you could have a total confusion moment and Syracuse can't pull it can't pull it back just by by virtue of the style of offense that's very possible yeah that's a thing where um, that offense doesn't turn off yeah um okay so let's pick apart the main course here just uh, the obvious pick is the obvious pick and that's the right pick and that's auburn oregon and dallas i think there's a couple imposters here there's no reason to i'm going to be at georgia vanderbilt just mainly to watch georgia in person um I don't think Vanderbilt has a quarterback situation equipped to deal with uh, Georgia. I don't think Vanderbilt has, uh, they have a good defense. They don't have a defense that's going to stop and, and change the tempo of anything mainly because they don't have an offense to hand it off to. Um, so Georgia's going to be fine in that game. Um, so Georgia Southern LSU and then Louisiana tech, Texas, obviously with the, with the LSU Texas next week, my bold prediction here. Uh, obviously both of those teams are going to win, but I think like LSU's at home against the triple with Texas on deck on the road. Texas has Heisman candidate, possibly the best slash most physical quarterback in college football this year. We'll see. They're both going to do everything they can to whip ass early and pack it in. There's no reason to watch other than just to kind of monitor the scoreboard here. I think both teams are invested in not showing off elements of their offense, LSU more than Texas, but definitely both schools. So there's no reason to watch so much unless you want to sort of watch nothing to see if I'm right. Um, so the pick here is is Auburn and Oregon. I don't know what else to say about it other than you don't know what the quarterback is at Auburn. I still trust that system more than... I trust the new offense at Oregon, despite the fact that they may have the best quarterback in college football this year. Uh, it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be at least engaging and close. And at this point in week one, I mean, I'll take that because there's not a lot of those games out there. Yeah, Virginia and Pitt is something that I'm looking at on the ACC network. Um, All right, sell me on Virginia Pitt in like 10 seconds. It's not a scheme thing. Is I'm just morbidly curious. It's it's Is Pitt going to actually take a step? at all forward in any direction in Narduzzi, with Narduzzi um, and did what we see from Virginia last year uh, was that proof of concept. It's it's as simple as that. Uh, okay, quick nightcap. It's been pretty easy to pick so far. Uh, I will touch on Boise, Florida State just could get sideways and weird. Well, it could get right? sideways and weird in more ways than one. It could get sideways right. and weird because it might be Tallahassee. You got And not Jacksonville. It's a neutral site. You got Kendall Bryles, new offense, Florida State. Interesting to watch there. Freshman quarterback, Boise State. Interesting to watch there. Uh, you don't worry about narrative in this game, and then also a storm might be coming. So I think there is there is no forecast at the moment that would show precipitation, like like hurricane-related precipitation for the game. Because if it got that close, they'd just call it off or change it. Because um, the storm know, is actually pop- supposed to hit Monday, I think. As of this recording, but you know how these things go. I certainly um, do. If if this game is already canceled or postponed by the time you hear this, I would not be shocked. So it goes. Don't do things in Jacksonville. Uh, Maybe there will be a vested interest in Boise State uh, losing this game by less than five or outright winning it. Not sure yet. Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, Let's go with your nightcap. It's pretty small, actually, before we do Sunday, Monday. Um, There's not much really to sort of prescribe here other than the fact that I think, well, there's two games. Uh, New Mexico State goes to Wazoo at 9 o'clock. Hey, that'll be fun. Get to watch Mike Leach offense and kind of do your thing. That's on Pac-12 Network if you have it. And then ESPN has Fresno State and USC. 
let me look the fuck out, man. Yeah, sure. Like Fresno State, USC. Like, sure, USC. Like, I, like, I mean, it, this this is going to happen, I think. <laughs> I, I legitimately think it's going to happen. I, I, I don't know if this is a piling on at this point. I don't know if this is like a decade's worth of resentment as a sports writer to listen to how many times my colleagues would just unnecessarily invest themselves in USC being a dynasty that just wasn't. But I just can't believe uh, USC is a 13 and a half point favorite in this game. You sure as hell better win this game, USC, because if you don't, the next the next six weeks are brutal. Um, we said that last week about Arizona. You saw what happened. So uh, you better win this game, USC. That's that that's the pick. And you, you'll know if we're far off base pretty quick. But um, I kind of think this is I kind of think. This is too sexy. Like, it, it's become too sexy. Or am I being too hipster about that? I think that the upset pick there is almost... Beca- like, I think it's the thing of, yeah, I think they actually, like, will take care of business in this game, kind of, because it's one of those things where they have been so laser-focused on this. I think the thing is they take care of business here, and then Stanford absolutely blows their freaking doors off in week two. And I just right. said Stanford's going to be underwhelming this year. All right. Now, there are I'm not really going to taste menu any of this nonsense. These games just are and it's fine cuz we have a stretched out weekend. Um Sunday has 3 games. I'll read them all even though one's FCS. Bethune-Cookman and Jackson State on ESPN2 and then Alabama, or two of them actually. Uh, Alabama A&M and Morehouse are at 2:30 on Wait, the NFL Network. Wait, on the NFL Network. Yeah. Sure. They picked up they picked up some inventory. Um and then uh, the the one FBS game is Houston and Oklahoma. It's at Oklahoma in Norman, 630 ABC. Obviously watch that. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be interesting. I mean, Derek King's really good. And Dana Holgerson knows how to make a Derek King really good. That's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts. These things sort of write themselves. I don't have anything necessarily to add to it other than the fact that um, I think it will be respectfully pointsy for both sides and it will be engaging and fun and it's the only game on, so you're going to watch it. You can skip Notre Dame at Louisville and this is actually for the first time in my life, Richard, by the way. <laughs> Monday night, Monday night, 7 p.m. on ESPN. <laughs> this is actually not related to uh, the Banner Society's ongoing slide of Notre Dame. This is just... God, Louisville's bad. Notre Dame and is going to beat not, the shit out of them. Dude, it's not Satterfield's fault. He's starting... He got saddled with this schedule. Again, this is, it's bizarre. This actually, it, this is on ESPN. I thought initially maybe they would wrap this around the ACC network launch, but holy shit, this sucks for a first game, man. Um, Bobby Petrino has a knack for a lot of things and completely just vaporizing the depth of a roster when he is either fired or quit or run off or whatever. It's just, it's inevitable. It happened last time. They used Steve Cragthorpe as a patsy when he was at Louisville and kind of blamed it on him, but this is just what he does. I think Scott Satterfield is an interesting coach to watch. I think he's a nice guy, and he did a fantastic job at App State, but to check in on this team and evaluate them before 2021 maybe would be criminal. Yeah, that uh, that's going to be ugly. So if you're a Notre Dame fan, just watch because it's a controlled scrimmage. I mean, if they're up by, if they're up by less than 28, like – Five minutes into the second, something is horribly wrong. Yeah, the so. line on the line on that game is twenty, and I'm like, Phew. all right, Richard. I feel good about week one. It's palatable. It's spread out. 
Uh, very smart move, by the way, for Houston and Oklahoma to go to Sunday. Just feels good. You know, that's, that's, it's an interesting game that probably would have gotten maybe shouldered out in, in primetime on Saturday. Um, the irony is they probably could have used it in the mid-afternoon. So uh, get in, feel good about football on Saturday morning. Eh, maybe go about your business on the afternoon. And then you have a nice, balanced approach for Saturday night. But Elliot, go ahead and stun on them. Get get like a hundred. I'll give you one hundred and twenty seconds. Just go ahead and 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 uh, provide the the cost analysis and quality of podcasting. Play nobody's gambling picks. Uh, three and zero. So we're at a uh, an ROI of about ninety one percent. Pretty solid. Maybe better than your uh, than your four hundred one k so far. Probably won't keep that up, but you know, good opening weekend there for sure. And uh, I think we got some good stuff on deck here. But more importantly, it was why we were right. You know, we, we spent all that time talking about how Miami's offensive tackles are the real issue, not not really the quarterback in the game. And, uh, you know, you know how many sacks they gave up? I think it was um, – hold on. I may need your hands to count this because I'm, I'm, I'm out of fingers. It was a good week for us last week, the first episode of the uh, Tasting Man. Oh, no. I was, I, I, all I said was, hey, um, I don't gamble. You, you tell me a gambling thing, and you were perfect. Now – you have 13 picks because um, as we record this, you were just over on the Banner Society Twitch. Um, I, I feel like we should go ahead and backstop this good vibe and say that you're probably not going to go 13-0. However, you feel good, right? You feel informative. I do. Yeah. Um, all right. A couple of them we actually ta- we've already talked about on the show, and I talked about all of them on the thing. But a, a quick rundown here, and you can just stop me if you want to talk about the game. Otherwise, I'll just give you what the picks are right off the bat. Or how do we want to mm-hmm. do this? No, you just you go ahead and hey man, we're making people money. We can do whatever the hell we want. Exactly. All right, rapid by fire. We, I mean, not me. Hey man, if, if we keep going, we might have to go to just like full Patreon model. I mean, like you, you can't give away winners like this for free. Um, you guys hear that now? Bud's charging you for the podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, so these are the ones that we we had already hit. Utah minus five at BYU. I actually kind of think the, uh, the the rivalry is making this spread a little bit closer. Um, my numbers have it, Utah minus eight. So obviously I'm going to play that. Uh, Duke at Alabama under 60 and a half. I loved this when it came out. I hit it when it came out. Now I don't love it quite as much because everybody's getting hurt in the linebacking core for both Alabama and Duke. But it's, I put it out, so it's still a play, obviously. Uh, Oregon against Auburn under 58 and a half. Not, not a fan of the receivers for either team. Virginia Tech minus two at Boston College. Had to lay $1.20 there. For the odds, that's actually up to like four now. So feeling really good about that one. East Carolina plus eighteen at NC State. So many moving parts for NC State; they got to replace. I think East Carolina made a major upgrade in coaching, and they're also going to play at a slower tempo. So potentially fewer at bats for NC State to be able to win by by three plus scores. Colorado against Colorado State under sixty five. This was ridiculous when this came out. I, I hammered it immediately. Um, it's actually moved nine points in our favor. So those of y'all who've been following me on Twitter. And on the show, uh, you're welcome. This you, you don't usually move a total nine points, so that was that was pretty solid. I'm not saying I moved it, but it's nice to get on and uh, and to get something that moves that much. And then uh, Oregon against Auburn, Auburn laying three points there. I feel good about that one still. And then I have six new ones that that I've actually added this week. Houston at Oklahoma under 82 and a half. I know that seems crazy to bet an under in a game with Houston and OU, but I, I do have some some reasons for it. A, yeah, no, I'm not, you stopped yourself, so you, I didn't have to. But why? So number one, 
Dana kind of got off the, you know, Holgerson kind of got off the ultra pace train at West Virginia. And last year, he did, yes. Last year, Houston was actually fourth in the nation in, in, in Bill's adjusted pace stat, right? So I'm expecting a couple fewer drives for Houston this year than they had last year. I also think that Oklahoma is going to run the ball more than it did last year because of how good of a runner Jalen Hurts is, combined with the fact that Oklahoma has four new offensive line starters and they're highly recruited kids. But that was a really elite offensive line Oklahoma had. So it wouldn't surprise me maybe if this game you know, doesn't have like 28 possessions, right? Maybe you're more in that 26 range. That could help us. If you're getting to 83 points, I mean, really, unless you think Houston's going to go in there and score 40, which I do think OU's defense will be improved, like like you're, you're basically thinking this game is what, like 55 to 30? So, something in that range? I, I think it'll be a little bit lower. Yeah. No, okay, that makes sense now that you break it out. But my thought is the, the offensive line turnover for Oklahoma, a quarterback that is good and a proven commodity in, in all the ways in which you would evaluate, however, still in a new place, combined with the fact that you know, I, I don't think Houston's defense is anything of note. No, I agree. And this is not uh, a play by Houston's defense. I think Houston's defense is right. still going to okay. suck. To be clear, it's just a play on. I think the clock will run more when Oklahoma has the ball because I think they'll run the ball a little bit more. And on the other side, I don't think Houston's going to be quite as breakneck pace. So a little bit fewer at bats, a little more clock running when OU has it, and maybe maybe the game's played at like a, a seventy-four pace, not not in you know, mid-eighties pace. Okay, finish this out, and then I got a couple of questions about the uh, Texas Texas State plus thirty three and a half at A and M. Obviously, A and M has a, a pretty major look ahead game on deck to Clemson. I think Texas State's offense is going to be a lot improved this year. Excellent chance for a for a backdoor cover here if A and M pulls its starters in the second half, like I would think it would if they get up big. Louisiana Tech plus twenty one at Texas. La Tech actually can hit some explosive plays. Texas offense is, is or excuse me, defense is a defense that kind of dares you to do that. And La Tech, I think, is actually equipped to do so. And again, Texas has a big look ahead game here coming up. So I don't think they're going to leave their starters in a whole lot to try and run it up. I also don't think they're going to run Ellinger quite as much in this game. And Texas has some running back depth issues right now. So second half, if you don't have Ellinger running, I, I, I don't know how well Texas is going to hold a big lead in this game. Okay. That actually brings me to what I wanted to talk about, which is that week one is decent in terms of viewing quality, not necessarily from a gambler's perspective. I, not knowing a lot about gambling, I do feel like there's opportunity to make money because of the way the schedule's falling. So the games I'm looking at specifically, LSU Georgia's, uh, Georgia Southern, La Tech Texas, which you just talked about, and then both Clemson and A&M have completely manageable situations let's say obviously Clemson gets the Thursday night game against Georgia Tech that is just completely personnel deficient and then you know Texas State new head coach bad football team flat out okay so in these look ahead games is there like a magic mark that you try and figure out because I think all all four of those teams especially and keep in mind LSU is playing an option team as well so everything's gonna everything's gonna shorten if I'm LSU we'll start there and I'm playing Texas next week at Texas, and I have this. You want to talk about national narrative? If you had to rank the offseason stories that weren't involving like crime or expansion or bulls or something, everybody's talking about LSU's offense, right? Why in the world, bud, would I do anything other than what was necessary to just physically beat up Georgia Southern a little bit and then lean and then 
get the hell out of there, right? Rest starters, get linemen out of the way. Because Southern runs the triple, I mean, pretty much better than anyone in the country, save for maybe Auburn, or excuse me, Army, and they have a and they have a, a much more physical line to do it with. So don't get injured, get the hell out, right? I, I think you're exactly right on that. Now, I I, I have this at, at LSU minus 27. I do not bet on these games solely for a look-ahead type reason. To me, it's sort of a... Maybe I think a play is like a small play, and thus I elevate it to a medium, right? You, you know what I mean? It, it's 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 not a, a main factor; it's a secondary factor. It's also a way you can kind of get off of like let's say my numbers actually did like one of the really big favorites in one of these games. I could say, okay, ooh, yeah, uh, but that's that's if they play the full game or or most of it. Are they actually going to do that? And I'll give you an example here. In a play I have coming up uh, right now, actually. Well, at first, FIU plus three at Tulane. But then Tulsa at Michigan State. I'm laying, laying 22 and a half with Michigan State. I have some reasons for that, that that I discussed on our Twitch show. But here we go. Clemson minus 23 and a half for the first half. I like it. I The thing about Georgia Tech's defense is Georgia Tech lost every single defensive lineman who had a single tackle for loss last year. Yes. I think three graduated and one tragically passed away in the spring. Clemson's yes. offensive who, who line would have been, is very Who good. would have been their best player? Yeah. I mean, Clemson's offensive line is very good. If Clemson gets six possessions in, in the first half, I, I think they'll score more than 30 points. I'm not entirely convinced Georgia Tech scores in the first half. So I do like the minus 23 and a half here for the first half. With how good Clemson's offense is, I, we may end up treating them a little bit like how we had to treat Alabama last year. And for those who aren't familiar, Bama started out, and I think they covered, like they didn't cover a ton of their their total game spreads, you know, their, or the, the entirety, like the full game spreads, but they went out, mm-hmm. I think they were like eight and one to start the year in the first half because they would just throw like the Mike Tyson style knock, knockout punch. And traditionally the way Vegas calculates these lines, it, it was not really truly capturing just how good Bama was in the first half. So, Basically, they were overrating Bama for the whole game, but underrating Bama in the first half. I, I think we could have a situation here with some of Clemson's first games to where that offense just, I mean, they're scoring like five and a half points of possession and and, and Vegas has to adjust. Anything under like 25, 26 here, I, I like. Okay. Uh, Michigan State? couple things. Number one, I, this this may be the strangest thing you've said. I'm just again like, yeah. This is by far I think since we've been doing this gambling segment. This I wouldn't have touched this at all, or I would just assume that Michigan State seems to be in a, I mean, atrophy. Normally, uh, I do not like playing Michigan State as a large favorite because they typically yeah. don't. They typically don't play to blow these bad teams out. Uh, there there are some trends that I'm going against here. Uh, however. Their offense received a ton of criticism last year, and I do think that they are going to be uh, wanting to prove themselves as an as an improved offense in this game. I think they'll get some stops against Tulsa, maybe some turnovers and some short fields. Uh, but the other thing is is that Michigan State, this is the only major favorite I'm, I'm playing this week other than the Clemson first half. Uh, and Michigan State does not have anybody important on deck, right? I, I looked this up earlier, because I, I do mark it if there's like a, a massive game on deck you know, and, and kind of a cupcake in the first one. Uh, Michigan State has Western Michigan on deck. So not a big deal. There's no real reason for them 
to pull their starters early as far as like, hey, we got to make sure we avoid injury for next week. Now, general injury avoidance is is, uh, is certainly possible, but um, I think with the new offense that they're running or the slightly new offense, it, it, I think it's going to be a lot of the same, but maybe better players and maybe a little, little better coaching. We'll, we'll see. I think they're going to want to get those reps in, in that game. So, again, this is not the reason I'm betting this. The reason I'm betting this is because my numbers say to bet this, right? Okay. This is basically a – my numbers said to bet this. Let's check a couple factors, right? Is there a big-time look-ahead situation? No. Is there reason to think Michigan State might play its starters for you know, a, a decent amount of time, even in a blowout? Yes, because they have the new offense. They're, they're trying to improve on offense. Uh, so I went ahead and played it. I'm usually not a guy that plays a, a ton of real big favorites, as y'all will see. Um, what do you do with Auburn, Oregon at three? Like, is that just like the gamblers? Are you trying to exploit something, or are you going for like a prop? Or I just wait at, at, I don't know, at just, three o'clock. You mean, or 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 the the line being three? What I mean, the line is the the line is three. I I took I took Auburn, laid the three points. Yeah. Um. So you feel good enough about it, even though it's close like that. I do. Yeah, uh, I, I. Why? Well, because I, I think Auburn's defensive line is, it's just a lot better than anything Oregon sees out there, and, and I, I do believe Oregon has a really good offensive line, and I think they actually have the quarterback edge in this game. But it, at right. pretty much every other position, I'm, I'm going to give the edge to Auburn. Right? I really have questions about Oregon's receivers' ability to get open. Um, I, I'm not really sure how well Oregon's going to be able to run the football, and, and I, I think, I think Auburn's the better team here. So this feels more like a Kevin Steele play than it does anything else. It's not It's not even really so much like you're trying to negate Oregon's progress as it is just sort of faith in what he's had on defense these last couple of years, which is sort of, I don't even know if that's possible at Oregon, but not criminally underrecognized, but close to it because we expect so much of offense and the, the whole Gus product and all that. But like, you know, Steele was, a, Steele was very much a has-been after the Clemson situation, rebuilt his career, and... I mean, one of the most physically imposing, like, eye test scary defenses that you would see at, at a live game. Um, it's just really hard for me to think that we won't get schizoid Gus play calling at some point, And that with a freshman, that could be a disaster. Unless you think they're just going to come out and, and keep it tight, safe, and play like... I mean, honestly, it kind of... I'm talking myself into, like, Auburn playing a low-scoring conservative game just to get the hell out of there. I don't think you're wrong. I, if, you know, the, the first or the, the third bet I listed here was, was Auburn and Oregon under. I think this is a low-scoring Auburn win by a touchdown or more. If you really want to read into this and, and get kind of meta, I do think having spent a little bit of time with Mario Cristobal and knowing what he sort of like wants his football DNA to be and like how he wants those teams to, to look and kind of come off, I think that I'm not saying Oregon's going to put themselves in any bad situation just to create a, a, an appearance, but I think if you roll it all together, all of our narratives, bud, uh, the Pac-12 is is obsolete. The Pac-12 can't, you know, can't compete. Um, ignored conference, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have a guy who who was a successful head coach, had a weird situation, good developer of talent, then is Sabanized, right? And and really wants to be that kind of football. Like, he wants big lines. He wants physicality. I mean, everybody does, but he wants... I get the feeling from Cristobal he would be very happy being like almost a pre-Lane Kiffin offense Alabama at times, which is sort of contrary to what you can do at Oregon. And you as a recruiting analyst would know this. Like, you can't... 
go like hog molly and just get big guys and smash. However, I do think this is a chance. And I think Cristobal knows this for recruiting, for the playoff committee, whatever, to come out and try and almost show a physicality that Oregon's never seen before or never shown before, I'd rather, uh, to try and change national perception. Now, if they get into a shootout to survive, that that's, you know, whatever. They're, they're just going to run pistol. But I think that they're looking at this as, as bigger than the actual, just the game against Auburn. So the one thing you said is you can't kind of hog molly and bully people at Oregon. Yeah. I think that if you add the tagline against national opponents, I agree. Within yes. the Pac-12, I disagree. I think there is room for somebody in the Pac-12 to do it because we saw Stanford used to do it. And if Oregon can recruit at a level higher than Stanford, which it can, although within the subset of offensive line recruiting, Stanford was really, really an elite recruiter on the offensive line. Um, if Oregon can get to that level, they can bully most of their Pac-12 opponents. Nationally, I I don't think so. Sorry, we're not even talking like peak of Pete Carroll era USC now. We're just, I mean, it's possible in the it's possible in the Pac-12 to do yeah, it. Yeah, like it, you it could recruit is. you could recruit it like a USC, like maybe a Washington. Although I know you're probably going to push back on that one. Washington, like somebody in the Pac-12 can do it, right? USC is clearly the like one team can do it, is what you're USC saying. has a gear that it can shift into that nobody else can, and I think it's a it's a, uh, a much lesser version of. Remember when the ACC was was being kind of held up by Vatek and, and and Boston College? Sure, it was like okay, yeah, great, your conference champions, awesome. Now, look, Washington and Oregon are a lot better programs than, than Vatek and Boston College, but that that's who was playing in, in the AC title game for a while. But there's always a but, and the but is like, yeah, but but we know with the team that really has that like national title potential, that they're they're kind of screwing around, right? They're they're not they don't have all their ducks in a row right now, and it does make people look down upon them a little bit, I think, because they're you know in a league where there's only one or two teams that have that really top potential. Um, if they're not on, on top of the league, kind of makes okay. Like, is this team really that good, or, or is that other team just kind of, you know, or are they, are they just down a little bit? Um, in our earlier segment with Richard, we we advised against Monday night, just not, for the first time maybe in Banner Society history, not to create a meme, joke, or slight of Notre Dame, but just because of the total functional deficiency that. Bobby Petrino created and Satterfield has had no time to clean up at Louisville. Um, when when things feel that inevitable, do you touch them from a gambler's perspective? I mean, if the line does not represent what I think, then yeah, right. I mean, okay. To me, it's it's just value. But the the, the line right now is unless let me see if it moved moved in the last couple hours. The line right now is twenty and a half. I'm a little bit down on Notre Dame this year. Um, I have actually taken my power numbers and adjusted them up for Louisville because I do think that what the, what the computer sees is Louisville played like crap last year. What I see is that Louisville played like crap last year, but definitely quit in multiple games. And I don't think they will quit on Scott Satterfield. So I don't want to, to – you see what I'm saying? Like the computer, what it's reading there – those results may not be entirely uh, likely to be replicated this year simply because I think the effort level will be higher because they're not being coached by a guy like Bobby Petrino. Um, 
So I, I had to bump Louisville up a little bit. I think if you take your initial, your original computer numbers, you probably do bet on Notre Dame here a little bit. Uh, but I, I had this as a no play. Um, I feel like that was one of the, the few things, and Bill and I would discuss this, it, it doesn't show up in gambling. It doesn't show up in advanced analytics. And it's it's such a diffuse thing to, to recognize and extremely subjective, I might add. But there is a... Coaches talk a lot about a quit factor. Like, it's a real thing where, to my naked eye or yours, we're fairly educated in this sport. We could sit and watch film and maybe not identify it the same way a coach could, where there's it's just actual absence of effort on particular plays. And Louisville, Louisville, I mean, you know, go back and watch the Kentucky game last year. I think pretty much any human being could see what was going on there. But by and large, we, we tend to miss it in in especially as, you know, mediocre or losing teams are insured of a losing season. They're going down the stretch into November. Like you, you you identify that over time. It's not something though you can really pick up in terms of analytics or gambling. So I assume that's one of the things you look for when you're when you're checking for discrepancies. Well, I think you notice either when you're talking to folks or when you're watching games, right? Um like I, I was watching, I I very distinctly remember this last year, Louisville against Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech just ran up and down the field on them. And they've done that to other teams before. But in this case, Louisville just wanted nothing to do with taking on blocks, right? Just sure. they, they just stood up and they just laid down, man. Like, like I don't know. If you, I'm not claiming to be the world's foremost expert on quitting here. But there are some times when it's so obvious. Plus, I do have friends who cover Louisville. And they would tell me stuff that was happening inside that program that was really bad. And was probably the basis for some waiver claims, by the way. Uh, so... You know, like I can't confirm those things, but I believe the people who told me them. And so I'm definitely going to count that in my analysis and in making my numbers. There has to be, we'll have to create, I don't know if it's like a, a quit metric, but I do think we could quit certify games. And what I mean by that is like, I'll give you another great example. I believe it was the Armed Forces Bowl, but it was Army in Houston. Like obvious palpable quit in that game right you could you you could actually see it in the postures on the sidelines as well as like the actual like the way guys weren't getting into stances on defense because and maybe it is an option obviously it happens more option more often with the option because the option is a particular kind of physicality but it is something we'll have to look out for this season and just certify that as a quit game where army is army x amount of points better than houston than what they scored and i'll look it up real fast but like no they're not they're not I mean, if they were to play that game again this year, I would give uh, I would give Houston the edge, and I really like Army. Well, I, I can Army scored seventy exactly points what, by the what way. I would make 70, 70 points. Army is not seventy points good uh, against this year's Houston team, and it's just because of the moment and the psychology and all that intangible shit that went on. I mean, I think a lot of people knew that Major Applewhite was about to get fired too. Seventy to fourteen was the final. I uh, I would have Houston favored by. Maybe a half point. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I feel. I like mean, it. like, like. All right. Essentially, if you gave me a field goal, so, on so side a game of that, game, that was played, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the dog. So a game that was played eight months ago on December 22nd, nine months ago, and the final score was 70 to 14, and now you're putting it as about a half point difference. Yeah, that's that metric. That's that weird intangible thing, and it's not because Dana Holgerson's there. It's not. It, it's not because of the personnel changes. Whether that, I mean, Houston lost its best player in this in this amount of time, and we're closing a gap. That's you know. But he didn't play in that game. Right? Fifty. I don't think he did. 
I don't think he did. Um, it's it's that weird thing in the ether you can't really you can't really quantify. It's it's sometimes it's even hard to qualify because I feel like with the bias and the perspective, and then you you'll hear coaches talk about kids quitting when it's obvious that there was just a fundamental communication issue, which is one of the things I picked up on at Tech this spring, Georgia Tech, that I wrote about this week at the Banner Society, which is how effectively are you communicating? And is that resulting in effort? And how are you communicating with a millennial when sometimes you're 30, 40 years older? So this is all stuff that doesn't show up. And this is the kind of stuff that, as a gambler, is probably your best weapon, I would assume. Yeah. No, I, I think that's that's extremely important to note. Um, what, what are big games we not talk about yet? That's the thing. Oh, you want to like, talk Arizona? We, did, did we rea- did, did you already react to that with Richard earlier this week? No, we didn't do a react. We didn't do a reaction on PAPN just because we only had the the two FBS games. But um, on by the way, thank you, Bud, for the programming update. We will be doing a uh, a hurry up no huddle on. We're normally recording them on Sunday nights. They will be up late Sunday nights for you guys to have on the morning commute. However, because it's Labor Day weekend, we're going to record it at some point on Labor Day, and it will be ready on Tuesday. And you can call it a joke or whatever. We are just going to skip Notre Dame Louisville, but that's more for a production reason. Um, We did not discuss Arizona and Hawaii. How do you touch like Arizona moving forward? Well, uh, I think that your fears about their defense not improving under Marcel Yates yet again uh, are, I mean, if you had that assumption coming into the year, you're probably only strengthened in your belief, right? Uh, and you got to be like, why, why did they not make a change there? Um, I think you have to look at Arizona's defensive personnel and say, Ew, up front, they're they're nothing special. Uh, we haven't brought ha- we haven't brought hashtag AskPAPN back yet. But one thing I will do is I'll give you guys a little homework challenge. And if but if you have one that you want to start the conversation with, that's great. But can you name because I can't off the top of my head a situation in which a new head coach comes in and retains the interim head coach, also keeps him on as a coordinator. Yeah, and and it is successful. Oh, uh, did Bud Foster did did did, uh, did Beamer coach the bowl game? I I believe he did. Okay, that that was the one I was going to. Although you, you, it's hard to argue that Foster has been successful for, for Fuente. I mean, I think look, that's my point, and and it's it's a it's a much poorer man's example with what's going on with Marsh. And by the way, if you don't know, Marcel Yates was the defensive coordinator at Boise State. He was successful there um, uh, under Brian Harson. Left Boise State to go to Rich Rodriguez's uh, Arizona. I think in the last two seasons and then became the interim head coach because he was beloved by the, by players. He was sort of the, the players coach on that team. They obviously go through a mess firing Rich Rod and the scandal. And then they kept him, which I just thought was really bizarre, especially if you're Kevin Sumlin coming from an sec job and being a nationally prominent guy, you have access to and connections with plenty of defensive coordinators. Um, It also really wasn't necessarily about the recruiting Yates was a great recruiter at Boise, and I think Boise, they they do a, a really good job of exploiting the gaps in California recruiting and player evaluation. I think they benefit from exactly where they are because, and you can tell me if you disagree, bud, but like they can get into California faster and quicker than other P5s can, and they've built a nice reputation to where they, they kind of sneak in right after. They're like the first buzzard after USC or Washington or Oregon eats, you know, and it's also easy to qualify kids there. So um, let me ask you a question. Yates was uh, not a good recruiter. 
Um, okay, but was Yates, but Yates wasn't even recruiting at a high clip at Arizona, and Sumlin kept him, and he has sucked ever since. So, you mentioned Sumlin has all these SEC connections, and he probably does, but A, that assumes that guys want to work for Kevin Sumlin, which I don't know if they do or not. Uh, but also, like, you look at Arizona, and you're thinking, okay, if I'm used to coaching an SEC team where you actually have good defensive linemen, just in general, like, how many SEC teams do you think have better defensive linemen than Arizona? I think the number starts with a one and ends with a four, right? Yeah. Like if you're an SEC type coach, you're going to go out there and say, I got to coach with this. These guys can't play. Right. And, and not just like right. nationally, they can't play, but like even within the PAC 12, like these guys aren't any good. Um, so that, and, and I don't know if they really want to coach for someone. Um, but I was looking at this dude. I think they could go like three and nine or four and eight. Oh, I definitely think they could. I mean, I, I think at this point it's a free fall. It's one of the it's one of the jobs we identified early. Richard and I called it the you you got to win this game, dude, game, and and they didn't. They flat out didn't. Um, I think now it's potentially a free fall situation because the bottom line is I don't think Tate's a hundred percent healthy, and I don't. It doesn't even seem like they know exactly what they want to do with them. So, um, I don't know if it opens early. Everyone's going to ask me that. Um, I don't know if it's the first opening of the year because I don't know what pressure you would be under to necessarily do that unless they're just complete dog shit over, which I don't think will happen. The buyout is 10, apparently. Well, then guess what? I mean, go ahead and revise everything and say they will wait. Yeah. <laughs> they will wait. Uh, but, oh, Elliot, oh, uh, here's, here's hoping you go 13 for 13. You come back next week, we can dunk on them, and then this podcast will officially be $29 an episode. Exactly. All right. Have a good one, buddy.